we continue worshiping together today, please rise as you are able and receive these words of scripture from the gospel according to Luke chapter 24. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad, Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priest and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were there with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the woman had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much to the choir for that wonderful music. Thank you so much, Pastor Brown, for that wonderful introduction. It's really lovely that you were able to give me such an unbiased introduction, considering we're married. So, (laughs) 
Well, it is wonderful to be with you today. Here we are two weeks after Easter, and yet somehow our scripture is not really letting us let Easter go. Uh, for those of you who follow the church calendar, you may know that Easter is in fact a whole season, which is good because with today's scripture, we've managed to leap forward an entire like five or six hours from the scripture that we heard on Easter morning of the women going to the tomb and finding it empty. The passage started with on the same day, and if you look back, it is literally the exact same day of Easter that they are referring to there. So two guys, one of them named Cleopas and the other guy, somebody, uh, are walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus and they happen to meet a stranger on the road. And they get to talking as you do, and the subject turns to Jesus as it does, because this is the Bible. Uh, and they tell the stranger all about what happened with Jesus's trial and crucifixion, and then the crazy events of earlier in that day, when the disciples and the women had gone to the tomb and found it empty, when the women had been told that Jesus was alive. They don't know what to make of all this wackiness, and the stranger, though, turns out to be some sort of scholar or religious expert. And he says all of this was actually foretold by the prophets. He goes all the way back to Moses, interpreting scripture and waxing eloquent. He impresses Cleopas and his friends so much that when they stop for the evening, they invite him to stay with them. And so they sit down to dinner. The stranger breaks bread and shares it with them. And bam, Jesus that's the name of my new podcast, BAM, Jesus. All of a sudden, they recognize that this person they've been talking to and spending the entire afternoon with is in fact the risen Jesus. Now, I always find this story a bit humorous. I mean, Cleopas and this other guy don't recognize Jesus despite apparently being pretty close followers of his. They're on first name basis with his inner circle. They know that other people have claimed that Jesus is alive. He says all kinds of Jesus-y things. He knows all about everything Jesus was and stood for, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, it tells us. But they only finally recognize him in action. Now, granted, it's a particularly Jesus-y action. He, he breaks the bread and shares it with them reminds us of the last meal that he shared with his disciples. But it's interesting that it wasn't his words, his detailed explanations, his ability to explicate loquaciously on the detailed nuances of scripture. It wasn't even what he looked like, although that part at least they might, they might be somewhat forgiven for because it does say that their eyes were kept from recognizing him but it was in his act of breaking bread, an act of feeding and compassion, an act of nourishment connected with so much that Jesus was known for throughout his life. It's telling that this is how they recognize Jesus because we tend to rely a lot on words to communicate who we are. And of course, I'm saying this as the preacher who's standing up here giving you lots and lots of words. But also, especially in this age of social media, we have our, our status updates and tweets and you know short videos where we 
expound on our thoughts for the day. That's how we let people know who we are and what we stand for. But there is a reason for that old saw that actions speak louder than words, because it's truly in our actions that people recognize us for who we are and what we truly believe and stand for, which gives us quite a challenge as Christians. How are we recognized? How do we want to be recognized as people, as Christians, as followers of Jesus? Don't get me wrong, our words are important and meaningful, but the way we're truly recognized is our actions. We have to walk the talk. Are we showing up? Are we doing the hard work? And with all the work there is to do, how do we even decide? Every day we see headlines that remind us of profound injustices in the world. Divisions within our society of violence directed toward people because of the color of their skin or their sexual orientation or their national origin, not to mention issues of economic injustice and uncertainty, questions of educational inequities, war, poverty, refugee crises. The headlines pile up and seem overwhelming. And in the midst of all of this, you could be forgiven for missing the latest news on the climate, but just last month, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released its latest synthesis report. And the news is not good. The window of opportunity to keep global temperature rise below one and a half degrees Celsius, which is generally regarded as the threshold for avoiding the worst catastrophic effects of climate change, that window of opportunity is rapidly closing. We've made some progress, but not nearly enough. We're not moving fast enough to cut emissions. The last eight years have been the eight warmest on record. Eight years in a row of annual global temperatures being at least one degree Celsius above pre-industrial levels. And then there's the habitat destruction and alteration, both from climate change and from land use decisions contributing to species endangerment, production of waste, industrial and toxic and nuclear waste that contaminates air and water and land. We throw things away without really understanding that on a finite planet, there is no such place as a way. And meanwhile, arable land, the acreage on which we grow crops for food is in danger because of contamination of soil and increased drought. There are extreme weather events. The IPCC report says we have until 2030, seven years, to make massive changes in the way we do business, generate electricity, move ourselves around. But even with all of these dire environmental warnings, environmental concerns often get moved to the bottom of the to-do list because there is so much else going on. Often environmental concerns are seen as the purview of elites who have time to worry about whales because they don't have anything else to worry about. Not to mention the politicization of the environment and of everything really. And if it's that way in the news, that we don't hear much about it in the news, it's even more so in our churches. Environmental concerns 
get little attention unless it's a special Sunday, like this one. I mean, we're focused on the spiritual, right? Not the physical. And after all, there aren't a lot of scriptures out there that tell us how to do things environmentally. I mean, I guess you could say that Noah is kind of an endangered species act. And, uh, you know, the, the scripture today, I mean, they're walking. That's good environmental practice. If we want to get a little irreverent, you know, the resurrection, maybe a recycling message in there somewhere. I mean, there's gorgeous poetry in the Bible, in Genesis and Job and the Psalms about the beauty of the earth. But we treat it sometimes like more like scene setting rather than a major plot point. We may have a general sense that we're to be good stewards of creation, but that comes after all the other stuff that we're supposed to do. And then you throw in politics and it gets a little hot to handle, pun somewhat intended. But we're called to be political. Jesus calls us to be at the center of the lives of people, which means being political. It means focusing not only on loving God, but on loving our neighbor. And we need to talk about these things in church because they are part of what we are called to do as Christians. The issues of creation care, of climate, they aren't the purview of the elites or the thing we get to when we finally work through all of these other things. They're in fact fundamental to questions of justice and equity. The energy that we use to light our homes, to drive our cars, to get around, to produce things, comes from oil and gas and coal, which contribute carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases. They mean dirty air and dirty water. We get coal from removing entire mountaintops. And the folks who are least in the position to do so are paying the price for these actions. People who suffer the most from dirty air and dirty water are often those who are unable to afford good health care and access to sanitation. Sometimes these are people in our own neighborhoods, sometimes people halfway around the world. The people who will suffer most from global warming are those who are unable to shield themselves as we're able to do a fair amount here in the U.S. Already, there's islands in the Pacific, homes to hundreds of people that have had to be abandoned because of sea level rise. Arctic tribes are abandoning the villages they've lived in for generations because they can no longer make a living as the ice retreats. All these other issues, war, poverty, immigration, racial justice, they're all impacted by climate and the environment. Those who are marginalized are the most impacted by these. And in fact, if you want an environmental scripture, Ezekiel has a word for you. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, I shall judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? but you must tread down with your feet the rest of the pasture? When you drink of clear water, must you foul the rest with your feet 
And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have fouled with your feet? Ezekiel reminds us that the life of God's sheep, God's people, is inextricably tied up in the life and health of the land. And that our call is not only to care for the sheep, but to be aware of what we are doing to foul the good water and tread on the good pasture. Justice for the sheep, God says, will only come when the land is whole and thriving. And the land will only be whole and thriving when there is justice for the sheep. Now look, it's to the advantage of those in power to cause divisions among those who are working for justice, to keep us distracted and divided, to tell us that people working for economic justice are somehow opposed to those who seek to protect the rights of immigrants, or that people who are working for racial justice have nothing in common with those working for environmental justice. It's to the advantage of those in power to make us feel that there's no way to tackle the myriad of problems that we face instead of us realizing that when we work for justice in all of these ways, we are working together. As Martin Luther King Jr. said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And that's true not only for humanity, but for all of creation. Just as both the Genesis creation story and science tell us that we're made of the same stuff as the rest of creation, our lives and fates are bound together, not only with our fellow humans, but with all of creation. Climate is a justice issue. Clean air is a justice issue. Clean water is a justice issue. Sustainable agriculture is a justice issue. And when we work for environmental justice, we claim all people and even creation as our neighbors. When we work for environmental justice, we create a world in which creation is valued and protected. And when we work for environmental justice, we're working for health and for education. When we work for environmental justice, we're working for empowerment of women. When we're working for environmental justice, we're working for racial equity and economic equity. When we work for environmental justice, we work to bring a voice to the voiceless. God, Jesus calls us to be co-workers with God in this work. It's overwhelming to think about. It can be discouraging and it's easier to just think there is nothing we can do about it. But God calls us to walk the talk. God calls us to step out in faith, to take actions even if they may seem small, to protect not only our planet, but all those who live on it. Catherine Hayhoe, climate scientist says, real hope is the fact that if we do something, we're convinced it can make a difference. We're convinced that there is a better future possible if we do everything we can to get there. And the science supports that. The science shows, and this IPCC report shows, 
that the solutions are at hand and our choices matter. In fact, literally, the report says every bit of warming matters, which means every action matters. Every choice matters. The power is in our hands to ensure a different future. And here's what we can do about it. First off, we can talk. We can't, we don't just talk about it, but talking is important, advocating for climate justice, advocating for our brothers and sisters here and around the world, talking to elected officials, to policymakers, also to our family and friends about the importance of this work. And taking action, walking the talk, even in small ways, Don't get discouraged because it seems like this is just a small thing. Recycling this one thing, drive, walking this one day instead of taking a car. It all matters. It makes a difference, even a small one, and it makes a difference in our hearts, and it makes a difference on how people recognize us. People know us by our actions. Ezekiel doesn't end with the judgment of God. It ends with a covenant of peace. God says, I will make them and the region around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their seasons, and they shall be showers of blessing. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure on their soil, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and save them from the hands of those who enslave them. They shall know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they are my people, says the Lord God. You are my sheep, the sheep of your, my pasture, and I am your God. We can help build this future. We can help build this kingdom, and others will see and recognize in us the work of Jesus, of renewal and restoration, feeding and sustenance, of healing and hope. We just have to walk the talk. In the name of Creator and Christ and the Holy Spirit, amen.